When providing meal periods, employers must pay attention to federal, state, and local rules. Sometimes, however, certain myths can get in the way of employers meeting meal period requirements, which could result in employers facing penalties. In this episode, we'll debunk five myths that employers may encounter regarding meal periods to help you know the facts. Welcome to HRpreneur. I'm Jim Duffy. From Main Street to your street, the HRpreneur podcast is centered around helping small businesses like yours gain the knowledge you need from HR, payroll, and hiring to time, taxes, benefits, and insurance. Today, we'll talk with our guest, Merrill Gutterman, about what you need to know to navigate meal period rules. Merrill is Senior Counsel with ADP's Human Capital Management Group. Hello there, Merrill. It's always great to have you back on the podcast. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here today with you. Okay, so let's get to the myth busting here. So the first myth I'd like to tackle is the one that says meal periods never need to be paid since federal law doesn't require them in the first place. Right. This is a great myth to start with and to debunk. So it's true that federal law doesn't require meal periods, but federal law does have rules that relate to pay when meal periods are provided, regardless of whether an employer provides them voluntarily or as a result of a state or a local requirement. So specifically, in order for a non-exempt employee to take an unpaid meal period under federal law, the employer must make sure that the meal period generally lasts at least 30 minutes without interruption, and the employee is fully relieved of all duties for the purpose of eating a regular meal. Also keep in mind that if you have exempt employees, you can't make any deductions from their salary for meal periods, regardless of how long the meal period is. So if an exempt employee takes a three-hour lunch break, then they must still receive their full salary. But you can subject them to discipline pursuant to your policies if they take a long break, if that's appropriate. All that said, there are many state and local jurisdictions that do require meal periods, and these jurisdictions often have their own rules for providing those meal periods. So you really want to make sure you're checking with the state and local law for any additional guidance on how to provide meal periods to your employees. Okay, Merrill, I get that if the non-exempt employee isn't completely relieved of duties, the meal period must be paid under federal law. But what does it mean to be completely relieved of all duties? Could I, say, for example, require a non-exempt employee to eat their lunch at their desk in case any calls come in? Great question. And this is actually something that relates to the second myth I wanted to address today. So some employers mistakenly believe that if they require employees to eat their lunch at their desk and wait around and see if a call comes in, then they only have to pay the employee for the meal period if the employee actually handles a call. But that's not true. If you require your employees to do any work, whether it's active or inactive, while they're eating their lunch, then they're not considered completely relieved of all their duties, and so you have to pay them for that entire time. So employees who are required to remain at their desk or their workstation during a meal period must be paid for the entire time because they're not considered to be completely relieved of those duties. All right, Merrill, that's great to know. Thanks for clarifying that. Uh, Since the break must also be uninterrupted to be unpaid under federal law, What should an employer do if a non-exempt employee's meal period is, in fact, interrupted by work? So in that case, you should pay the employee for the interrupted meal period and then give them a new meal period that meets applicable requirements. If a new compliant meal period is not provided, then the employee may be entitled to extra pay. 
So, Meryl, could you tell us a little bit more about the extra pay you just mentioned? Sure. Depending on the state, employers may be required to provide additional pay to employees if the employer fails to provide a compliant meal period. For example, in California, employers must provide employees the opportunity to take an uninterrupted 30-minute meal period after no more than five hours of work, unless the total workday is less than six hours, and the employer and employee mutually consent to waive the meal period. The meal period has to begin before the end of the fifth hour of work, and the employee has to be relieved of all their duties during any state-mandated meal period. If the employee isn't relieved of all duty during the 30-minute meal period, the meal period counts as hours worked, which must be compensated at the employee's regular rate of pay. But that's not all. In California, if an employer fails to provide that compliant meal break, they must not only provide pay for the meal period, but also provide one additional hour of pay at the employee's regular rate for each workday that the meal period isn't provided. And this is often called premium pay. Regardless of what state you're operating in, a missed, interrupted, or otherwise non-compliant meal period could also push a non-exempt employee's hours over the threshold for overtime. So for example, if an employee's normal hours are 8.30 to 5 with a 30-minute lunch break five days a week, but the employee didn't receive a meal period one day, the employee would have worked over 40 hours that week and they would be entitled to overtime. Wow, that could be costly. So let's turn to our third myth, uh, which is that employers should automatically deduct lunch periods from non-exempt employees' hours. Can you tell us, please, a little bit about that? Sure, that's a myth as well. It's actually a best practice to require employees to clock out and then back in for their meal periods. And that can help ensure that employees are paid for any missed lunch breaks and can also account for times when employees return late from lunch. Time records should accurately reflect that the employee took a meal period, how long the meal period lasted, and the actual hours worked. And beyond being a best practice, some states actually prohibit automatic deductions for meal periods. So again, you want to make sure you're checking your state law to ensure compliance. Yeah, Meryl, that makes perfect sense. So let's turn to our fourth myth. Let's talk about the idea that to help prevent non-exempt employees from returning late from lunch, employers should always require employees to remain on their premises or on-site during unpaid meal periods. Can you shed a little light on that, please? Of course. Yes, this is a myth worth busting as well. So requiring employees to stay on-premises in some states may affect whether the meal period is considered paid or unpaid. California is one example. In California, if you require that an employee remain on the premises during their meal period, you generally must pay the employee for not only the meal period, but also provide premium pay for failing to comply with the state's meal period requirements. That's great, and I appreciate you clarifying that, uh, Meryl. So this brings us to the fifth and final myth. This one is that it doesn't really matter at what point in the workday the meal period is provided, as long as the employee is allowed to take one. Yes, let's debunk this myth as well. The truth is that many states have specific requirements for when meal periods must be provided. In New York, for example, non-factory workers are entitled to a 30-minute lunch break between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. for shifts six hours or longer that extend over that period. 
For all shifts of more than six hours, starting between 1 p.m. and 6 a.m., non-factory workers in New York are entitled to a 45-minute meal break midway between the beginning and end of their shift. By contrast, factory workers in New York are entitled to a 60-minute lunch break between 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. for shifts six hours or longer that extend over that period. And then for shifts of more than six hours, starting between 1 p.m. and 6 a.m., Factory workers in New York are entitled to a 60-minute meal break midway between the beginning and end of their shift. There's a lot to think about depending on where you're doing business. So to help you manage the requirements that apply to your business, ADP's time and attendance solutions can help you schedule and track meals and breaks for your employees, have employees attest to having taken breaks and meals, and inform you of employees not taking the breaks they're entitled to. Always great insights, Merrill. And this brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you again, as always, for joining us. I enjoyed this discussion here on HRpreneur. Uh, while you were speaking, Merrill, I took a couple of notes. Uh, I'll just recap real quick here. So uh, first, provide meal periods without work interruptions. Ensure employees are fully relieved of all duties. Require employees to report interrupted or missed meal periods and let them know how to do so. Have employees clock out and then back in for their meal periods and comply with all applicable state and local rules on timing and other key aspects of meal periods. So presented by ADP, HRpreneur focuses on the entrepreneurs and business drivers who are shaping the growth of their companies and positively impacting the lives of their employees. With each episode, we bring the experts to you, answer your questions, and help you think beyond today so you can discover more success tomorrow. Thanks also to our listeners for joining us for today's episode. Be well, and we hope you'll join us again soon.